0: Welcome to our Baby on the Brand series, where we bring awareness to Canadian female entrepreneurs, influencers, musicians, and boss babes who are in prevalent and fascinating careers, breaking the mold in their respective industries, building communities, empowering women, and are showing other Canadian babes that hard work, perseverance, and loud voices pays off. We hope that our series will inspire you as you build your own successful empire and pave the way for your own revolution. Get inspired, feel empowered, and get to know more about the babe beyond the brand. Hello, 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 boss babes. Are you looking for a last minute idea this summer for a bachelorette party, an afternoon with the girls, or a fun birthday outing? Ottawa Valley Women in Business Events is hosting a wine tour, and we are rounding up Ottawa Valley babes for an afternoon at the Little Red Wagon Winery in Chauvel, Quebec. Come jump on our wine tour bus, enjoy an afternoon sampling wines, stroll through the beautiful vineyard and enjoy an assortment of charcuterie, pop-up vendors and professional photos of your investors. We're also bringing along the small town co-babes with us so you can shop with them right on site. Come snag your seat on the bus, grab the girls and let's kick off the summer. Grab your tickets on our Facebook page or Instagram at Eventbrite Boss Babes Wine Tour we only have a handful of tickets left, so be sure to grab yours before they out. It was a clothing company that everybody wanted to be seen in, and if you wore it, you were considered popular and apparently attractive, according to the CEO. But it was also a company that put out sexualized ad campaigns, demonstrated shady behavior, were known for discrimination, and the CEO publicly fat-shamed people saying that, I quote, that he didn't want overweight women wearing the brand. This controversial brand was also arguably most known for their advertising, their so-called all-American male models with abs and white females that were blonde and a size small, their graphic tees with the words AF across the front, and a store that reeked of their cologne. I'm talking about Abercrombie & Fitch and White Hot, The Rise and Fall of Abercrombie and Fitch, the latest documentary on Netflix that has everyone talking. I wanted to deep dive into this topic and find a former employee who used to work for A&F and ask all the questions that many of us had after seeing the documentary. And she is here to spill the tea and share some juicy behind-the-scenes secrets that only an A&F employee would know. Please welcome former Abercrombie & Fitch brand rep, Katrina Churchin from Edmonton, Alberta to the baby on the brand series.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat more about my experience with Abercrombie.
0: I am too, Katrina. After I saw that documentary, I'm like the type of person that likes to binge and get to know everything about a topic. Like, I mean, give me a serial killer documentary, like give me Ted Bundy and I will tell you everything about them. Same with, same with Abercrombie bitch. I can there's not one documentary that I have not seen following the one from Netflix. Like I have done my research about it. And I think that that's why I love being a podcast host because I'm like, I love to deep dive juicy things like this. And so of course, like as soon as I had seen the documentary I listened to like a ton of other podcasts following it. And I was like, okay, I need to get someone Canadian. I need a female who used to work there. So I can't even tell you how I found, because it's going to sound so stalkerish and so creepy, but I went down like a very long spiral on Instagram, and I found like a picture of you tagged with a bunch of former employees, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll just shoot for the stars and see if she responds, and you did, and you agreed, and you were here, so thank you so much for like agreeing to do this with me.
1: Of course, that's hilarious. I was wondering how you found me. My guess was LinkedIn, but... Yeah, Instagram is a good way to go.
0: It is. Yeah, you can find the craziest things on there. So Katrina, you're in Edmonton. So what would you say was your high school fashion that you sported? Like, were you obsessed with shopping at Hollister and Abercrombie and Fitch as much as I was?
1: I definitely was. I wore Abercrombie and Hollister all the time, um, along with some other Canadian brands, you know, Dynamite, Garage but Abercrombie and Hollister were my main ones and it's funny because not a lot of people in my high school were wearing those brands at the time.
0: Really? Okay so I okay actually maybe my first question how old are you?
1: Right now I'm 22.
0: Oh you're just a babe. I am. Okay. All right. This is actually maybe going to make for even more interesting conversation then because I'm 32. And so when I went to school, my generation, like we were, we were all wearing Abercrombie and Fitch when I was in high school, we were wearing, um, Hollister. We were, we were wearing Aeropostale and American Eagle. It was just like, it was the big thing. Like everybody who wore it, like they wore like the popped collars. Like, did you have people at least who did that? Like the guys who were like the pop collars, like the backwards white hat and stuff like
1: that not in my high school but my sister is six years older than me so when I would go shopping with her she would always take me into Abercrombie and Hollister and whenever I would hang around with her friends that was exactly the style
0: Yeah, it was like a crazy popular trend. Everyone wore it. Everyone wanted to be seen in it. And because for us, I live in a small rural town in Ontario, we didn't have anything that was closer than, like I said, Kingston, which was about like three hours. So, I mean, you guys being right in Edmonton, you had the West Edmonton Mall. And I kid you not, Katrina, I moved out there and the West Edmonton Mall, the first place I went to probably was A&F and Hollister. And I could not wait to go now, our closets and drawers are filled with the basics of solid colors and less print. But back in the early 2000s, wearing graphic tees with a across the front or a polo with the mousse on the right breast officially made us hashtag cool. So why do you think that so many of us were obsessed with wearing brands that showed off labels?
1: I think it's just what came with the label you were cool. If you had the label, a big one when I was in school in junior high and high school was Victoria's Secret pink. If you had that logo, you were cool. And I think it's the same thing with Abercrombie. Even when I worked there still for two years, our logo tees were the best sellers.
0: So when you say that you worked there for two years, how old were you when you first started?
1: I started working there when I was 19.
0: Okay. Were you recruited? I wasn't. You submitted a resume. You went through the basic, you know, standard protocol as you normally would for any kind of job.
1: Yeah, exactly. Interesting.
0: Okay. So now I have a story to tell you because when I was watching the documentary um, and they were talking about the whole recruitment process. So I was back out in Alberta in about 2013, I think it was. And like I had said, when I had gone, I think I'd gone like two or three times. I was I was quite a regular, but it was like probably my third time going. And I was recruited. And I remember like coming up, like finishing up my order, um, starting to walk out the store, and an employee had grabbed me and was like, Hey, have you ever thought about working at Hollister? And this is like, so it wasn't Abercrombie Fitch, it was at Hollister. And I remember being like, Oh my gosh, like really, like me? Like. I'm, and I remember thinking in my head, I'm skinny enough. I'm pretty enough. And I legit Katrina, like, remember thinking in my head, I could never work here because I'm never going to be the standard pretty blonde, skinny girl, like the rest of them. So I remember thinking like, I will never, you know, live up to these standards. So, I mean, it was just something in my head that I never thought I could actually do. Um, now, this might be a personal question, but because at the time, ANF carried only up to size large for women, which is absolutely shocking to think that that was something that was actually acceptable. And it's revolting that it was allowed for so long. Now, did you feel the pressure to be a certain size when you worked there?
1: I didn't. Um, I actually found that when I worked there, everybody, when I worked there, it was a very diverse group of people that also worked there. And I believe we actually did carry up to extra large when I worked there and Abercrombie had also just introduced the curve line of their jeans. So there was more inclusive sizing when I worked there. Another interesting thing about their clothing though is that it runs bigger than the actual size. So if you're a large, you could probably fit into a medium.
0: Really? Okay. So that must've changed because again, going back years and years ago, which, you know, 2013 does seem like years ago. Um, that wasn't the case. Everything was super tight. I, to this day still fit into my husband's size, medium shirts that are like, well, right now they're fitting me super comfortably because i mean they're covering up my big pregnant belly but like they still fit so well and he will be like polly like this is wild that a size medium men's t-shirt will fit you like to a tee. and i mean like there's no way in hell that he would ever fit in that now like he I, I don't even think he would even fit into an xxl um even still though katrina like a size xl that's nothing that's like that's i don't consider that
1: inclusive sizing yeah I think they've done a good job to expand the sizing range, but it is not very well done in the store. When we worked when I worked there, it was only, when I worked there they only carried up to the extra large in the store. I think they may have a double XL online now, which mm-hmm. is better but still not great. And also I'm not sure exactly what size in jeans they carry up to now, but they did go up to a 32 when I worked there, but again, not in the store.
0: I so don't if like you that. were,
1: yeah, like if why? you were one of those larger sizes, you'd have to order it online, which yeah.
0: still, you know what it still reminds me of, it's still singling people out who'd have to shop in the air quotes back rack where, you know, like the bigger sizes are kept. And I really don't like that, they're, that they are still doing that in 2022. That if you need a bigger size, you can shop online. You're still kind of like segregating people to not come into your store to shop there.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So what exactly was the role of a brand representative?
1: Um, the most important thing, of course, was customer service. We had to represent the brand, be knowledgeable about the brand in case anybody asked questions, which also meant being knowledgeable about Hollister in some cases as well, because they are sister companies and sometimes the clothes fit differently. So if somebody tried something on at Abercrombie and it didn't quite fit well, we would recommend them to go to Hollister to try on something similar, but fit differently. Um, We also had to welcome customers in and, of convince them to explore the brand, especially if they hadn't been familiar with the brand before. Um, The most important thing after customer service was making sure the store looked presentable. That meant folding clothes all of the time. A big thing was tucking the tags in. Um, They never really told us why that was important, but kind of the gist of it was that so people didn't know the price because Abercrombie clothes are a bit pricey. So if the tag was tucked in, you would fall in love with the clothing first, and then you'd see the price. And kind of the goal was that your love for the item would overcome the price. So that's one way that they pull you in.
0: That's a a Um, smart strategy.
1: Yeah, every time a district manager came in, we had to make sure every single tag was tucked into the clothes.
0: Oh my God. That's like, that's like working at a grocery store and like turning the front label to the front. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Another kind of crazy thing that happened probably about a year or two before I worked there was that there was a two finger rule. So every clothing item that was hung on a rack, each hanger had to be two fingers apart. Really? And yeah. And the manager would actually go and measure with her fingers to see if each clothing hanger was two fingers apart.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, a little OCD. that wasn't yeah, that wasn't a rule when I worked there, but it was before I did.
0: Now, I want to talk about the dress code. So were you guys required to strictly wear ANF clothes?
1: No, so we were allowed to wear whatever we wanted. Of course, it was encouraged that we wear the clothes because as employees, we are quote unquote models in a way, not in the way that Abercrombie workers used to be, but we are still there to represent the store, the brand, the clothes. The biggest and probably the only dress code rule that there was, was we weren't allowed to wear clothing with competing logos or designs. So an example would be American Eagle's jeans. They have a back pocket design. So even if it doesn't exactly say American Eagle, their denim pocket logo is recognizable. So we weren't allowed to wear American Eagle jeans.
0: That makes sense though, because I mean, like you said, it's a competing brand. If there's another label that's recognized, why would someone working at Abercrombie be sporting something from American Eagle? I I get it. I get like that. But there in the documentary, though, there was a set of wild dress code policies. Like if you had highlights, they should look naturally highlighted by the sun, not bleached, no dangling earrings or more than two earrings could be worn. Only natural looking nail polish could be worn. So what other policies did you and the staff have to abide by?
1: Honestly, there really weren't any policies, though. When I did start there, they did still give that same steal about the natural makeup and natural nails but it's not really enforced at least in our store it wasn't yeah that was mind-blowing
0: to me watching that part I was like as if that was a thing that you would be judged on your appearance for even how your hair and nails looked like that's wild yeah um okay let's further get into the dirty so do you think that a person's looks or clothing had to do with their recruitment while they were casually shopping at the store I'm blonde You're blonde. I know that you still applied the regular old fashioned way, but I mean, you to look at you and to think, you know, back then Katrina, you'd be a shoe in white, blonde, blue eyed female.
1: Yeah. It's kind of crazy to think, think that way. I don't think recruitment plays as big of a role now as it did before. The only times that we ever really recruited someone were sometimes people would come in and they would kind of hint that they wanted to work there. And we did have a stack of like application cards that we would give out to people if they kind of inquired about it. Um, But other than that, the only other time we recruited would be during the holidays.
0: Now, did you find that there were a lot of other staff that looked like you or did you find that there were, there was more diversity?
1: Definitely more diversity, which is a really great thing. Okay, good. That's, That makes me happy to hear
0: that at least they are following what they are now putting out. So that's good. So in the documentary, we saw that people of color were hired, but had to work in the back stock room and weren't even given priority shifts. Now, did you see that everybody had the same equal rights when you worked there too?
1: Yeah, I would definitely say that everybody had the same equal rights. In fact, we did have a few stock workers, but most of us, I would say pretty much all of us had to be put in the stock room at some point. Now what are some
0: other behind the scenes tea that you could share around your experience working for ANF Katrina cuz I'm sure that there were some lots of juicy secrets and behind the scenes things that went on with your coworkers and with management and everything that you can spill.
1: Yeah, um I mean there were definitely, you know, the hookups that went on behind the scenes. Um wasn't too often but it would happen a lot and we were a close group so one person would hook up with somebody else, and they would tell one person, and then it would slowly spread to everybody else because we were all so close. And when the store was quiet, what else were we gonna do but talk to each other? You know, um, oh, you're
0: gonna say what else we were gonna do but hook up with each other? <laughs> <I> Did
1: <don't laughs> any of God. that happen though? Not that I know of, but maybe. <laughs> Like we did have how our store was laid out was you would walk into the kind of atrium and then you'd have the men's side, the women's side, you'd meet in the middle and then to the kids section in the back. And the kids section had its own set of fitting rooms, but we never actually opened those fitting rooms unless it was very busy. So who knows what could have gone on back there?
0: So there were a lot of like dating in between one another with all the with all the employees and stuff. Now it's funny because in my small town again, Katrina, like you have to understand like where actually whereabouts are you in Edmonton?
1: Um, I'm pretty north side.
0: North side whereabouts? Because I I do know the area.
1: Okay. Um, I live pretty close to Londonderry Mall. Oh yes. Is. Oh my goodness.
0: Yes. Yeah. I miss the Y E G. Yeah. I was in St. Albert. So I'm trying to think of like a small town. I'm thinking like Leduc. So okay, I live in like a small kind of town, like Leduc where like Leduc, maybe 20 years ago, 10, 20 years ago. And there was like only one grocery store. It was like one grocery store and one restaurant. We've now, we've now grown. We have two, two restaurants here. but like that was it like you could work at the grocery store you could work at Tim Hortons and you could work at McDonald's and then you had to like go to the next town uh to find somewhere else to work but where I was getting at with this is that like working at the grocery store that was what was going on too is that the hookups were going on maybe not at the grocery store unless someone in produce was hooking (laughs) up with someone in in the meat department but um you know we all knew about the next day you know like Hillary would have a hickey on her and I could be like who was that from oh you know the bag boy like it was kind of the same thing. So like even in a small town or working at like um, at a hip trendy boutique, you know, things happen. That's that's high school. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's awesome.
0: So the documentary didn't really mention anything negative about Hollister A&F sister company, but did you have any friends who worked there or knew of anyone else's experience?
1: Um, I didn't have any friends that work there, but I wouldn't say there was a rivalry between Abercrombie and Hollister, but we always refer to Hollister as like the annoying little sister. So at Abercrombie, you have to be 18 to work there. Um, Sometimes we would hire 17 year olds if they were really close to their graduation day and had the time and the way to get to work. But Hollister hires at 16. So it's generally a younger crowd that works there. So just kind of from rumors that we heard from Hollister was that it was very gossipy, lots of drama, cliques, that kind of high school mentality. So what would you say was the work culture like when you worked there? At Abercrombie, it was really great. I actually had a really great time. I was there for two years. By the time that I quit Abercrombie, there was only a handful of us still working there that had been there the longest. So I had a manager who had been there for four years, He and he was the one who was like worked there the longest out of our group. And then when he quit, it was me and a few others. So a lot of us worked there for a few years, and we all loved it. We all had great relationship with each other. By the time that I quit, there was kind of the new group of 17 and 18-year-olds coming in. And That's kind of when the drama started to amp up a little bit, which is one of the reasons that I quit actually. Can you tell us what happened? Um, There was one of my coworkers who had worked there probably for just almost the same amount of time that I did. Um, For some reason, a few of the new workers didn't quite like him. He was one of the store favorites. Sometimes the favorite workers got more hours. It probably happens at every store. Mm -hmm. And these newer workers didn't like that. And there was a rumor spread about him. They took it up with HR and actually got him fired. Oh, wow.
0: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, What about the models, Katrina? Like, did you know any of the models that work there and what their experience might've been like?
1: I don't, they kind of took out the model kind of job role by the time that I worked there. And I remember actually once I was working in the front one of the front rooms and a woman walked in and she was like, are you a greeter God? And I had no idea what that even meant.
0: no I but I, like, you're like no but I yeah. like it
1: I was like I could be I don't know, maybe I would say the closest thing that we had to like models was during the pandemic when our store had capacity limits and we had to have somebody outside like counting everybody that walked yes. in I feel like that's the closest thing that we got to having people outside the store like representing the store
0: now, what about the layout of the store? Because again, when I remember going there, it was very dark. Um, the musky scent of ANF perfume immediately hit as soon as you walked in. Was that still a thing when you worked there? Because obviously, now with all these laws with sense uh, scent regulations and stuff like that, um, was that still pretty prevalent?
1: So the store is much lighter now. They did renovations to both Abercrombie and Hollister. So. They're very bright and light, um, but we do still have the scent. Um, there's a system actually in the ceiling that sprays it on like a timer.
0: Yeah, because I guess back in 1999, 2000s, like <laughs> they were actually physically going around spraying the, spraying the clothes. I kid you not. I remember like buying like bottle after bottle. Oh, This is so embarrassing. I remember like buying bottle after bottle, spraying my own clothes so I would smell. And it was never... I just felt like it was never enough until like, I'd go out in public. And my friends be like, Holly, you breathe."
1: <laughs> That's so funny. Oh. It, it actually kind of blows my mind that the fierce scent still exists. I know. Like, I think if I
0: would smell it now, I'd know immediately what it would smell like. Yeah. Oh, I sprayed that stuff way too much. So Katrina, what do you think about the evolution of A&F? Do you think that the CEO, who's now a female, has done a good job transitioning the brand and making it become more inclusive?
1: I think the new CEO has done a really great job at transitioning the brand. I know we kind of talked about the sizes and how it does go up to extra large, but that's not great. But I think where they've really expanded is in the jeans because they do go up into the 30s, which is a really good transition from what they were at. And also I think they've done a really good job at being inclusive and diverse. They have a lot of diverse models now. Um, they also have like a pride collection that they release every year with donations going to um, an LGBTQ plus charity. They also released a Black Lives Matter collection. Um, and even throughout the year, the organization supports a lot of charities and in-store, each branch does as well.
0: So they're moving forward, they're making progress, but they still have yeah. a long way to go, I would say. Definitely a long way to go. Now, what do you think of the clothes now? I mean, I see that you're my listeners can't see you, but you are rocking a very stylish, might I add, Abercrombie & Fitch black oversized uh, sweater, um, so I'm assuming you still shop there.
1: Yes. This, this shirt was actually when I got for free, I just threw it on. We used to get free shirts every once in a while, you know, for holidays and stuff, but I definitely still shop at Abercrombie. Not as much as I used to because sadly Edmonton's location did close, but uh, it is still one of my favorite stores to shop at.
0: When did it close?
1: February of this year oh interesting I was gonna say I
0: wondered if it like was very recent you know given the fact that the documentary timing and stuff like that interesting that I Is Hollister still opened yeah oh my goodness now who do you think shops there like do you think that it's more like do you think millennials are still shopping there anymore you're a Gen Z I'm assuming right yeah you're Gen Z yeah yeah do you think it's more like you're the Gen Z demographic are shopping there still
1: I think so, especially since Abercrombie blew up on TikTok. When I still worked there, we we couldn't even keep our stock. We had empty shelves all the time because people would come in and ask for this new pair of jeans that blew up on TikTok and everything on the website would be sold out. We couldn't even order anything for people because it was so popular.
0: But do you think that this documentary, Katrina, is going to influence Gen Z's decisions to shop there along with the next generation?
1: I don't think it will influence them in a bad way. I think a lot of people kind of see what Abercrombie is and now it has been a long time since Abercrombie was that way with the shirtless models and the really skinny white blondes working there. If you go into a store, you'll see how diverse it is and you'll see the more inclusive but not quite there yet sizing and I think yeah, I think everybody just sees the new Abercrombie nowadays.
0: Now, what's one positive thing that came out of working for Abercrombie & Fitch?
1: I would say the ex- just the experience in general. It was my first retail job and my only retail job. And just the communication skills I learned were just so valuable, especially because I am in the journalism industry. So learning how to talk to people, problem solving, all of that was just really great. And I loved the clothes and I love clothes and shopping in general. So it was just a really fun time. So after you left Abercrombie
0: then, did you go straight into journalism?
1: There was a little bit of overlap. So I started working um, at Edify Magazine, which is Edmonton City Magazine right after I graduated university in April 2021 and I worked at Abercrombie until about June 2021 so there was a little bit of overlap.
0: So you've been working at Edify Magazine, yes Edmonton's Lifestyle Magazine. I remember I remember seeing it there when I was there. Um, so what are you all doing there?
1: Um, I started as an intern and then I got promoted to digital editor so I write stories for online and the print magazine. I run the social media accounts and our newsletters as well. You have
0: my dream job, girlfriend. I am so here for that. I always wanted to go into journalism myself. But again, being in a small town, we literally just had our newspaper. I like. I don't even think that there was really many magazines in Ottawa either. Um, so that's really exciting that you got to... Great job right out of school. Now, did you go to school specifically for for journalism?
1: I did. I went for four years for journalism.
0: So what kind of articles and stories do you all write about?
1: Um, A lot of food. Food reviews are some of my favorite because who doesn't love trying new restaurants? Um, I do a lot of event coverage, arts and culture. That's one of my favorite things to write about. Um, So I feel lucky that I get to go to a lot of events and write about them, meet a lot of people. Um, and then, yeah, just a lot about the city innovation profiles, business stories, a lot of great stuff.
0: All right, Katrina. So is there a brand or store that you think has done an exceptionally good job of creating a sense of belonging, offering inclusive sizing, promoting diversity, and is a fashion brand that's been around for years, but you don't think is going away anytime soon?
1: This question was so hard for me to come up with an answer to, um, but one of my favorites Canadian clothing brands is dynamite and their sizing is pretty great as well I find that their stuff fits true to size which is really hard to find in a lot of stores usually things are like extremely tight or way too big but their stuff fits true to size which just makes shopping so much easier and I've noticed lately that their models have become way more diverse um I always feel welcome when I go into the store and their staff are always really diverse and inclusive as well, which is always a great thing to see.
0: That's a good staple brand that's been around for years. And I find that it's so great for young people too, who are shopping for blazers and dresses and dress pants. Like that was my first go-to whenever I, uh, I had gotten my first office job and I love, like, I still love shopping there. Like, even though I work from home permanently, are you working from home?
1: Um, I work in person, but another thing about Dynamite is I noticed that they did a really great job at adapting to the pandemic because that was kind of the place where everybody went for their professional clothes. And then when the pandemic hit, all they sold were sweatpants and comfy clothes. And they they really were on that change really quickly, almost to the point where when I got my full-time job, I was like, where do I shop? Because (laughs) Dynamite only had sweatpants. You know what another store I missed there too is
0: Express.
1: Did they still have Express at the mall? No, it closed
0: a while ago.
1: No way. Yeah, oh, that was see, a good one.
0: That was a good one. Yeah, I think that they actually closed. Maybe they ended up closing all Canadian Express stores, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Maybe. I
0: think. Yeah, those were, that was another good store. Yeah. All right, Katrina. We are going to wrap this up as we move into My Rapid 10. So these questions you don't know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. We're going to have some fun. You ready? Ready. All right. Do you still follow Abercrombie and Fitch on Instagram? I do. What is the lingerie and active wear sister company to Hollister called?
1: Gilly Hicks. I don't yes. know if it's still called. I don't know if they still have that though. Yeah. I don't know either. Actually. <laughs> Whoever's listening, go
0: look it up. Let us know. Yeah. Did you use to cut out pictures of the shirtless men from the shopping bags and take them to and tape them to your locker? Because I may or may not have done this.
1: I didn't. I was a bit too young for that, but I did keep the bags.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Same here. I kept them way too long. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, here's a trivia question for you. Out of these three, which celebrity did not model for Abercrombie and Fitch? Was it Taylor Swift, Channing Tatum, or Dakota Fanning?
1: Ooh, Dakota Fanning.
0: Yes, that's right, girl. In 2013, what was the largest pant size Abercrombie and Fitch made for women? Was it size two, four, six, or ten? I'm gonna go with a six. Oh, that would be sad. It was a ten. I'm, okay, I'm glad size to 10. hear that. Yeah, I mean, still so <laughs> awful. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. How many Abercrombie and Fitch stores are left in all of Canada? Eight. (laughs) Close. There's only five left. Although maybe now that maybe there's only four. Wow. What's one place everyone should come check out in Edmonton if they come visit?
1: Oh, do you mean like a store or like
0: a a thing? Eh, It could be a store. It could be a restaurant, hotspot. Where do you like to go?
1: Oh, there's a really... Awesome jewelry store. Um, it's on 124th Street downtown in Edmonton and it's called So Pretty Cara Cotter. Carries the most beautiful silver, gold, gemstone jewelry and they actually worked with Jillian Harris a few times.
0: Oh, no way.
1: Yeah. Okay. Beautiful so, stuff.
0: So if we like the jewelry, that's where we're going to have to go and check out in the YEG. Perfect. Yes. Do you own more Abercrombie or Hollister clothing? Abercrombie. Yeah, that's a given. Yeah. If you could play a role of a journalist in a movie or TV show, would it be the magazine journalist like Kate Hudson and How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days? Please tell me you've seen that because I know you're a little younger. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> or the journalist Jessica Pressler in Inventing Anna?
1: Definitely Kate Hudson.
0: Yeah, that would definitely be more of a fun role. <laughs> yeah, Although, I love that movie. Did you see Inventing Anna?
1: Yes so oh good God.
0: oh i know i was like riveting throughout that whole series but although that journalist like she was so dedicated to everything she that was. Poor, that yeah. poor little girl's nursery <laughs> <laughs> and katrina what's one canadian business locally in the yeg or in canada that you think everyone should know about
1: oh there's a clothing store in edmonton called shades of gray and I know it sounds like a lingerie store, but it's definitely not. It's like business wear, casual wear. And the reason that I really love it is because they carry some brands that Aritzia actually carries. So it's really nice to kind of buy the same stuff, but support the local business.
0: And whereabouts are they located?
1: There's a location on 124th Street as well and a South Side location.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, so... Another thing for anybody visiting Alberta, they don't have a downtown. And if you ask them whereabouts, you know, can I go downtown? Like, where do I shop downtown? They're going to look at you like you have four heads and they're going to be like, that's the business section. No, you want to go to Old Strathcona. You want to go to White Ave, 124th Street. Yes, like those are all the great spots to go. Um, thank you so much for for taking the time to sit down with me today and chat
1: all things Afrocrombie and Fitch too. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun.
0: Katrina, do you want to plug yourself? Do you want everybody to, you know, follow you on the socials? Do you want to plug your magazine and anything else that you want to share?
1: Sure. Uh, So you can follow me on Instagram at Katrina Turchin, which is K-A-T-R-I-N-A-T-U-R-C-H-I-N. And if you want to be all in the know about what's cool in Edmonton, you can follow edify magazine at edify e d i f y underscore edmonton
0: fantastic all right well everybody thank you so much for listening to this month's episode of the baby on the brand series believe me i was like counting down the days for katrina and i to finally be able to make this happen because she's been in greece for the last few weeks getting back to traveling and everything again, which I'm like super, super jealous about. But anyways, we are so excited to announce our next baby on the brand guest guys. It's a Canadian band, you know, and love them. You probably grew up with them, Katrina. You probably don't because it's way before your time, but I'll give you a hint. Skinamarink, getting, getting do Please tell me, you know, that song. I know that song, yes. (laughs) Yes, we're having Sharon Lois and Bram on the podcast next, guys, so be sure to stay tuned for them next month. We'll be back again in a few weeks. And remember, everybody, to shop local and support Canadian.